Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. There is another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. Somewhere between abnormal and paradise. All right, everyone, good afternoon. Welcome live to this radio broadcast from the Oregon Ghost Conference. I am Jeremy Scott. It is so good to be back here yet again uh, talking with uh, wonderful people. We've had just an amazing time. I hope you've had a wonderful time as well. We've got lots of people listening from all across the country who are hearing this broadcast loud and clear. So I want to thank Rocky Smith and Christian Gray and everybody here at the Oregon Ghost Conference who has had us back here. I think this would be our fifth year being involved with the conference and our third year being here in person, which really allows us uh, the opportunity to talk with a, a, a plethora of wonderful guests. And we've got many of them coming your way over the next two hours. I want to welcome this lady sitting right next to me who is Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz. She is a sensitive, intuitive empath. Her abilities awakened around the age of three when she began having dreams about tragic events that showed on television the next day. She is clairaudient, clairsentient, clairsentient, psychokinetic, and telepathic abilities. Dr. Schutz, welcome to the program. So good to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me here. Very, very excited about being here in Seaside. Now, I'm just wondering, because when people say that they have had experiences as a child, um, I personally don't remember my experiences so young, so I'm wondering if you believe that there was some either unconscious or perhaps some conscious recollection of the events that happened to you. Well, um, when we're talking child, it depends on what age we're talking about here. So if you want to talk uh, really early, uh, age three and four, I was having visions in my dreams. And uh, in these dreams, I was actually seeing at that time traumatic events. Things like um, airplane crashes, civil unrest, things like that. 
And as a child, you don't really know why you're dreaming that stuff. And uh, it just so happens that the next day on, um, I don't know if anyone here can remember the old box televisions that we used to have, but I would be actually seeing what I had dreamt in my dreams on TV. And so that's what it kind of started for me, and then it began to evolve even after that. So what kinds of things did you see play out? Airplane crashes, um, people having wars with each other, uh, an assassination, uh, things like that. Um, for a young tyke, though, you have to ask yourself the question, um, not so much what you're seeing, but how am I seeing this? And so that is what stumped me after about maybe probably around the age of five, I started realizing that um, I thought I was causing these events. So. You thought you had some sort of personal influence over them, but really what you were seeing is almost into the future, right? Yeah, pretty much for one day. And I also discovered even um, throughout the years that uh, I would continue to have dreams and then see these things uh, or see these events on TV the next day, which unfortunately is not very positive, more or less negative. But uh, yeah, I felt like I was responsible for everything that had happened there. So, your presentation here, I believe, was about your haunted life. Yeah. What is the, uh, the reaction when you tell people that your life has been haunted? Well, the one reaction I get, and I've gotten for a very, very long time, and I do not know how to explain this, is that people would usually come to me and come up to me and they say, I don't know what it is about you, but you scare me. And that's a little bothering when you think about it because yeah. if you start hearing this all your life, you're thinking to yourself, well, what is it about me that scares people? So that, that's, that was one of the more prominent things that I'd always happened. Yeah, so it, you, your first experiences were as a child, but is this something that you shared with, with your parents? Is this something that you, you told at school, maybe in college? When did you open up about these experiences? Well, last night on my presentation, I had been in the paranormal closet, as they say, for a very long time. Um, I couldn't really share any of this with anybody. I would say the one situation that occurred that allowed me the opportunity to at least feel better was around age 17 when a few of our teachers had uh, put a newspaper uh, article in the school newspaper about the ghosts that they were living with. And that started the dialogue. But back then, uh, it was a Ouija board only. We didn't have other gadgets to uh, uh, mess around with. But no, uh, telling people about this, I tried telling my parents about this, but the reaction years ago and probably still today is about the same. Um, you're imagining it, uh, it's, you know, you've got a heightened creativity, um, that's, those are the reactions that I basically had. Yeah. So, give us an idea of, of what kind of events that you've experienced that we would deem kind of, I guess, the paranormal, or maybe the paranormal. Yeah, literally. Um, well, let's see, if I was to give you some of the events that I've had, older, um, one of the things that my husband and I have always done is we like to go to 
well, I should say me, not he. Um, um, we like to go to a lot of bed and breakfasts that are haunted. And essentially, in a nutshell on that one, we did go to one in Europe, which was incredibly haunted, where we encountered a variety of events there, but had a cycling mirror that occurred at the point that he actually threw holy water in that room. That's only one of them. I'm also talking that uh, everything from things being thrown, I've had possessions, I've been in trances, uh, I've been touched in every degree that you can possibly think about. Um, it's pretty endless with me, and I'm also very uh, psychokinetic and telekinetic as well, which leans right to the question of am I the, am I actually the So that's yeah, the question. Are you I'm, the conductor? Yes, am I the conductor? Or you bet I am. So yeah. you control this symphony? No, I control it only to a certain degree, but yes, I do, yes. So you're definitely the, the braver of, of the two, right? I wouldn't call me brave. I would call me... Uh, actually, you'd be surprised how many paranormal investigators are chicken. Um, they go into these situations and they think, ah, oh, nothing's going to happen to me, and then as soon as they get knocked over by something or um, thrown to a wall or down the stairs or whatever, they say, I'm good, I'm done. And there are those points that we all have in our lives, especially when we're investigators, where we do say the phrase, I think I've seen enough, I'm done. So, yeah. But but you're not done. You, ha- you haven't seen enough. Uh, you're still in this game. Well, I'm in this game only because it seems like every time I try to exit from this game, something drags me right back into a situation, which has evolved now into extraterrestrial visitations. Oh, you don't say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Handmark had... So it's, a- really a, it's really a life of the strange... Uh, Life of the strange and unusual, but not only evolving and not ever something that uh, models itself as being the same. Uh, So that's what I find interesting. I think many people who investigate can might agree with me that not always do we have the same situation. Food for thought. Do you think that the Ouija board had anything to do with your experiences and maybe still does? I have never played with that Ouija board, but I will tell you what happened with that Ouija board with my teachers. So they made contact with something in their house. Uh, A gal had gotten up, and she wanted to go and get some popcorn. And so she went to the kitchen to make some popcorn, and the request on the Ouija board was, I would like to have butter on that popcorn, please. Well, she went to the kitchen. There was no butter. She made just regular. She brought it back out. And the ghost actually threw a fit and swore and said, I said butter, blank, blank. And uh, it was at that point, though, Jeremy, that I began to wonder whether or not ghosts can actually taste uh, uh, essences. I don't know, really know the answer to that. but Well, the other part of that is, is the smell, because butter has a very clear smell. So maybe maybe not the taste, but maybe the taste, but it could also be smell. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, definitely on that. I agree. Mm-hmm. So uh, have you been uh, psychically or physically attacked? Yes, all of the above. I've been everything you can imagine. Uh, psychically, I will tell you a, a, a psychically attacked story recent. Happened about six months ago. 
was up in um, in Wyoming, and we were my husband and I were visiting a jail actually that was on a tourist property. And I went to this jail. There wasn't anyone else on the property at the time. And I went to this jail and I started taking pictures. And I thought, uh, what the heck? Um, if there's anybody in here, would you please uh, show yourself? Lo and behold, I captured that. But here was the interesting part. Knowing that there was something in that jail, as soon as I went home, not home, but back to our, uh, back to our hotel room, I had this incredible urge for alcohol. I wanted a drink, and I wanted. And is this something that you had before? Uh, no, I have not had that before. And not only that, I don't drink. I only maybe drink once once a year. Did you indulge? Yeah, yeah. Do I did I indulge in that? Did I go and drink after that? Yeah. Well, in a town where I had asked, I actually called the manager, and I had said. Um, give me a bar, strongest stuff you have available. I need a drink. I need it soon. And then my husband had looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I have no idea. I just need a drink. So that was being, uh, that was a very unusual situation that occurred. It definitely unusual. Have you been put in a trance? Yes, I've been put in many trances. My husband can attest to this. Uh, whether I'm in a shower or whether or not, I was in Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum where I actually shut the place down for eight minutes, scared my sister to death, went into a trance while I was in there. It was frequency attack, basically. And um, on the stairs, as I was leading a group up the stairs to another level, Long story short, um, when I left that situation, I reactivated because I activate under different situations, went out and uh, was very low energy, but um, if you want to say anything good came about it, won a $3,000 jackpot. That was in Las Vegas. So, yeah. <laughs> so good and bad has come from this. Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Uh, what about, uh, were, you, were you kicked at one point? I have been kicked up in the air, so if you can imagine sleeping in a bed, I was at Groven Hotel, um, very active location up there, didn't realize this was going to happen to me. The minor that was apparently under our bed apparition did not like snoring, and so of course what do I do? I start wailing and snoring, and before I knew it, I was waking up literally bouncing on the bed. Now some people might say, are you sure that was a paranormal? situation or was that extraterrestrial? It is possible I might have been dropped from some place out there because it was clear, clear sky, perfect elements and everything, but I could actually feel the footprint underneath my back literally either hold me or lift me, and uh, my hus husband was sleeping at the time. It happens most people who have experiences do know that um, when you're having an experience, your partner or someone else next to you may not be having anything at all. All right, we've got to take a break, but we've got more with Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz coming up here on the program live from the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside. I'm Jeremy Scott. Stick with us. Lots more to come talking about the spooky and the strange and the weird all in one.
Jeremy Scott, live from the Oregon Ghost Conference here in Seaside. I'm talking with Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz. It is a wild life that she has lived. And if you've had a wild life, a strange experience, a paranormal encounter, uh, if you have any questions for our guests, I'm speaking to those who are in attendance here. We've got a live mic that you can come up and uh, give us your name if you would, if you would like and, uh, and fire away. So talking about these experiences that you've had, can you tell us about the time that there was a handprint left on your body? Yeah, um, most people aren't, uh, I'm going to use the word privileged. Uh, I don't know if I was privileged or what happened here, but I did get marked. Uh, there was a, um, I went to bed one night and uh, nothing, uh, nothing special. I'm a late, late owl. And um, about, I would say about a few minutes into lying down, I started feeling uh, this really intense smell uh, come over me. And it smelled, anyone, if, if you're familiar with that really musty rose water smell, that's what it was. But I thought it was my husband's shampoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blame it on the husband. That's what we do, you know. And I was going to tell him the next day to lay off the shampoo because it was so sickening that um, I had to pull the covers over my nose. It was just that bad. And he said, what shampoo? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was wondering about, you know. And so the next morning, you know what it's like. You get out of bed, you go drag into the bathroom. And I looked in the mirror, and there was a blood-red, full, uh, elongated hand that was over my, uh, I guess you could say for the most part, to the... Um, the left-hand side of your heart, and it was, uh, but what was really significant about this handprint is that one of the fingers was really kind of uh, crooked, and it was really unusual, and I couldn't quite figure out what that was all about. Long story short on that, of course, I showed my husband, we took some pictures of it, I showed it last night in my presentation, but um, I would have to say that I had several interpretations of that handprint done by about five different psychics. Everything from, uh, it was a, uh, an alien, a succubus, it was a lost woman, my own hand, and then one that actually came to me in my dream, which was a mantis healer. And if any of you know here what a mantis elemental looks like, see at the time I didn't know what that was, but I had asked the universe if something would please tell me who put that handprint on my body. It stayed on for about three hours and then it just disappeared. In my dream, I'd say a few months later, I had a, um, a dream of a mantis being wearing a black COVID mask. And that was very frightening. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so um, I think to this day, I think what it was, was something out of interdimensional, but um, it wasn't my own hand. Let's I, I'm sure we could talk for an hour on this, but we, we only have a limited time with you. How do you interpret these encounters? I don't know, because every time I think that it's over, something else comes to me. It's almost like something wants me to be a voice or communicate this stuff, and maybe that is why, to this day, I have a few podcasts. I literally have my own television show. I've been on the magazine of a, of a, of a magazine, cover of a magazine just recently. I've been very privileged to be able to speak about my experiences, and I'm not ever going to really know why things come to me. Me and especially in the energy level that they do. But have they taught you something? 
Well, what they've taught me about is that we're not alone. Uh, honest to God, I thought for a while there it was all coming from me, and maybe I am the poltergeist. Maybe I am the one causing all this. But in a nutshell, I do not believe we are alone out here. And whatever comes to us for whatever reason, whatever reason uh, sometimes we just have to ask the question, why? And a lot of people do. They ask well, why. We're honored to have you here. Let's hear it for Dr. Kelly Renee Thank Schutz here so at the Oregon Ghost Conference. And we'll have more of our live radio broadcast coming up. This is Into the Paranormal from Seaside. part paranormal and part abnormal there's nothing ordinary about what's on your speakers into the paranormal with jeremy scott we are live at the oregon ghost conference here in seaside i am jeremy scott so good to have you with us wrapping up uh, 2023 we've got a lot of wonderful guests who will still be joining us through the course of the afternoon right now we have open mic time which means if there's anybody who has an experience uh, if you have a story to share or you have a question that you'd like to ask uh, now would be the time to do so uh, we've got a mic here for those who are in attendance if you have a story an experience uh, something of the kind that you would would like to share you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strange occurrences that that happen not only here in the seaside area, but also happen uh, in in homes. Um, and there could be some possible reasons for this. Many of these are are optical illusions. They are things that uh, th- that people believe to be paranormal activity. And who's really to say what's paranormal or what's not, right? Our understanding of this is still very limited, and, and, and no offense to anybody who's you know written a book or has appeared on television, but our experiences uh, are our own. They're not anybody else's. And as I've always said, you know, you can't tell somebody whether what, what they experienced. Uh, you can choose to believe them, but unless you were there, uh, I, it, it's not really. Nobody's asking your opinion on whether or not. Uh, you you believe or you've lived this person's reality but what we are asking you to do is to have an open mind and to wonder about the possibilities has anybody seen specters or orbs um mirages uh weird little uh weird little things that happen that we wonder you know is that a sign is that a sign of some sort of paranormal Activity. I mean, who's who's really to say? 
Uh, you know, we're not judge, jury, and executioner as far as that is concerned. What, what we do hope to uh, to explore on on this show and through our programs that we bring you, you know, three, four, five nights a week, and whatever it, it happens to be, is to explore those those possibilities. There's lots of science that is involved. I had hoped to talk to Dr. James Nelson. I, I hope he's okay because he he's involved in the forensics side of this. He actually brings forensics into the study of the paranormal. Has anybody seen Dr. Nelson? He, um, he has studied parapsychology and uh, talks about uh, a healthy dose of, of science and skepticism. The science is very, very important. Uh, the science, some believe, don't, doesn't have a, a, a place in the paranormal. Sometimes it is viewed as pseudoscience. Uh, sometimes these subjects that, that we talk about aren't something that you can reach out and grab. You can't even, uh, we can't feel them. Sometimes you can smell them. Sometimes you can taste them. But there's a lot kind of there in the middle, in that gray area, that, uh, that nobody seems to really have the answers to. But that's what keeps me going, is searching for those answers and trying to understand a little bit about what is going on in, in someone's head. Anybody experience sleep paralysis? Sleep paralysis uh, it, it sounds a little bit about uh, like what Dr. Schutz was experiencing, uh, where it, it appeared that she was lifted up out of air or perhaps lowered and just splat on, on the bed. Sleep paralysis could be a form of a paranormal event. It could also be something that happens when we're, you know, when we haven't slept, when we're run ragged, we're groggy, we haven't eaten well, we haven't taken care of ourselves, we start to experience hallucinations. That is all common uh, things that happen, these conditions. Uh, I'm sure we've, we've heard about them. Narcolepsy, idiopathic hypersomnia, uh, obstructive sleep apnea. These are all diagnosed conditions that can sometimes be mistaken for paranormal uh, occurrences. There, there's many symptoms such as uh, even migraines and seizures uh, and, and th- those sort of things, which could be indicative that somebody is having a paranormal event. Anybody here have a paranormal event that they'd like to share with the audience? We've got a mic. You can come up here and, and join us and share your story or, or ask a question uh, because it is open mic time. Come on up. Let's give this gentleman a hand. What's your, uh, what's your name and where are you from? My name is uh, Jason Carpenter. I'm from Hood River, Oregon. And going off of the science part that you were talking about, um, I have a uh, paranormal podcast called Dead Rabbit Radio. And what I, I gave a presentation to uh, yesterday at the Oregon Ghost Conference, or the day before, about why are there no fat ghosts? Yes. That's what we were looking at. And because you do have to look at it from a scientific angle, uh, obesity is the second leading cause of preventable death next to smoking in America, but right. very, very few fat ghosts. Almost all ghosts are in the normal BMI. So as a paranormal researcher... We want to ask why. Like, why do we see this phenomenon? And 
My conclusion is that I think that you choose what your soul looks like in the afterlife. I don't think you're bound to the physical. But to go back to your question, we don't know, right? Like as far as science So, yeah, what you're asking is why are there no overweight or obese ghosts? Yes, there's very few. And what do you base that on? Well, when we look at reports of ghosts, they're just either reported as wispy figures or a a slender young woman standing at a lighthouse looking out at the sea for Uh her long-lost lover. If there was a ghost that was three, four hundred pounds, the report would note, I saw a ghost that was four hundred pounds. And we don't see those. We maybe have four or five total out of all reported ghost accounts of them having a very large uh, phantasmal form and everything else. Because physicality is important. We'll talk about what they're wearing um, because that helps us date when they came about, like a Roman centurion or Elizabethan garb. So we do note the physicality of ghosts, but very few reports do we say the ghost was overweight or obese or anything like that. It It should be... 10, 5% of all ghost sightings because so many people pass away from obesity-related illnesses, but we're not seeing them. So do you have a theory on why this is the case or why you believe this is the case? I, I, my theory is, is that I'm overweight myself. I'm obese, technically obese, medical term. But when I dream, I'm not. In my dreams, I'm thin. So I believe, unless the dream's about someone making fun of me being overweight, my belief is, is that the soul takes the form of how we see ourselves. And I don't see myself as being an obese man, even though I'm physically obese. So I think that's what it is. That's my theory, at least. So do you think that uh, perceptions in the afterlife then are different than they are here in the present? Definitely, definitely. And I think when we see ghosts that are headless ghosts or ghosts that carry a physical ailment over to like let's say they walked with a pronounced limp while they were alive and now they're a ghost and they're still walking with a limp. I think it's because they're still stuck to that physical representation of themselves while most ghosts, if they remain, you know, a lot of them go you know, to paradise, to the afterlife, wherever they're headed. The ghosts that remain, some of them are grisly. Some of them are gore, have gory you know, injuries. Uh-huh because they're still latched onto those last moments of their life, and they're choosing that form unconsciously. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in some cases, we do hear about these entities appearing the same way in the afterlife as they were in the present. Uh, for instance, certain smells or certain attire that, that these, these ghosts uh, would be wearing or would smell like uh, that, they, that they were in life. Have you come across that? We do see that, but you, I, I figure a lot of people die um, in their underwear. A lot of people die when they're dressed in their pajamas. Yes, they, they do. They die in the middle of the night. But we may see that ghost wearing their old uniform they wore when they were in the Navy in 1945. They died in 1995 in their underwear at a rest home. But when their spirit appears, a lot of times they could be more youthful and they'll be wearing the garb of how they saw themselves in life and not a dirty pair of underwear. Absolutely. It's a very, very fascinating thought and uh, we appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you so much. Give him a round of applause. Uh, if anybody else has something to share, uh, we've got some open time here. You know, this is live radio. I don't know if uh, folks understand 
exactly what live radio is. And it, it is live, which means anything can happen. You know, we plan four or five shows a week, and there's a possibility that the guest goes to sleep, or they have to go to the doctor, or they forget, and then we have to fill the, the, the time. And it's no different here at the Oregon Ghost Conference. Kristen, come up here. I think there were people that didn't hear your story yesterday. Did everybody hear her story, or we have, do we have new people? See, they, they want to hear it again. All right, this is Kristen Gray. She's one of the executive committee members of the Oregon Ghost Conference, so we have to give her applause, number one, because she's been working her tail off to make this all possible and to keep everybody okay. happy, right? I actually was just trying to find Rocky. <laughs> um, okay, so just Yeah, Rocky real- was complaining that I only gave him five minutes, but I thought that was a luxury considering he's been up till four in the morning the past couple of nights. So just real quick, I know several people yesterday heard this story because when Clyde was up here and he was talking about AI and people receiving ghost messages through text or different ways of communication. And I heard him talking about it. I was up in the mezzanine and I was like, wait a minute. And I ran down here because the exact same thing had happened to me the night before. And I was like, does this stuff really happen? So we were busy, got back to my condo about 11 o'clock on Friday night And I was exhausted, and I ate some food real quick, ate my dinner, and I texted my husband, and he texted me back, and basically it was, you know, the niceties, I love you, I had a great day, good night. Um, I went in to take a shower, I went into my bedroom, and I shut my bedroom door, and I plugged my phone into the wall, and my phone is biometric, so when I plug my phone in, it automatically shuts down. The only one who should be able to open my phone and do anything on it is me with my fingerprint. And I go get in the shower, and I take a shower. And I get out of the shower, and I come back, and I see a pop-up on my thing, and it's a question mark for my husband. And I'm like, well, what's he question marking Because we already had said goodnight, and I love yous, and all of that. So I go into my text file. And while I was in the shower, I'm getting goosebumps again because this was so freaky. While I was in the shower, something, excuse my language, I'm just going to say it like it was. Something texted my husband from my phone and said, she's goddamn busy. There was nobody who could get on my phone. I went into the front room just thinking, just double-checking, like, did one of you guys break into my phone and text, my, text Rick and, you know, say this? One of the girls in the room actually started crying immediately, so I knew it wasn't her because it was freaked her out. She's like, there's a ghost in this condo. There's a ghost in this condo. Instantly, though, when I was telling her about that, you could feel the energy shift in the room. My face started to tingling from head to toe. I went ice cold. And later that evening, once I got the girls settled down, we actually did have my friend Seth, who's a psychic medium, come walk through and tell me exactly what he thought was there. Won't go too much into it, but it was, this will kind of trip some of you out. It was a spirit with a non-human attachment. Um, You guys go ahead and figure that one out. Um, Basically, later that evening, and I thought this was just an anomaly, and it was just my phone. And I, in the middle of the night, wake up to my daughter out in her room. You cannot be here. You need to go back to where you came from. Go away. And I'm like, what's going on? Somebody, something, in the middle of the night got on her phone and tried to text her friend with a shush emoji from her phone. So 
I don't know. We're still trying to process this, but that's okay, our well, story. I might have a person here. Uh, we've just got a minute before we, we hit our break because I had asked Kristen on yesterday's broadcast. Welcome, everybody. Dr. James Nelson to the program right, right now. Hello. Uh, okay, real quickly here, and this is probably putting you on the spot, and maybe we can talk more about this after the break, but if some entity touched Kristen's phone and actually was able to unlock it, would forensics be able to get any prints off of it? I, I'm going to... Okay, this would be a, a difficult answer, but I'm going to go for the, uh, the short answer. No, however. Okay. Can you give us the however after the break? Yes. All right. So hold that thought because this is radio and we have to take a break. We have to pay the bills. It does cost uh, for this wonderful airtime that we have across the USA. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back very shortly with Dr. James Nelson uh, to get the however part of this equation. Into the paranormal. All right, I'm Jeremy Scott. We're live here at the Oregon Ghost Conference. Uh, Dr. James Nelson joining me. He studies the paranormal and co-founded Paranormal Researchers of Portland, works mostly as a parapsychology consultant to other paranormal groups, and his degrees in mental health, metaphysics, and fine arts. So I asked you right before the break about Kristen's experience about something manifesting through her phone. And since you're the forensics guy, I wanted to know if it is possible... Uh, that you could get prints, and of course that's that's uh, assuming that something actually him, touched the phone. And you said no, but however. So what's the however? So here's here's the 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 tough part about that, because uh, we don't know how many people have handled a phone. Uh, we can clearly say that Kristen would have uh, the majority of the prints would be hers, um, and you could dust them, and you might be able to find other prints and other partials. That would be on them. Um, and if you found a print that didn't match up to Kristen or anyone in her family, you can say, okay, then what? Um, which doesn't necessarily mean it's paranormal um, because it could be that somebody just picked up their, her phone to move it. Um, it, would, it would be interesting, but not, not conclusive. Um, and I have not heard any uh, feasible way that a spirit could leave a fingerprint. So I don't believe that you would be able to use uh, uh, that technology in order to, to lift a ghost fingerprint off of it. Uh, if somebody has done that, you know, come find me. I'd, I'd love to, to know more about that. So uh, as far as that story, but, but other stories as well, uh, you believe it's key not to rush to judgment and to keep some sort of skepticism uh, in this before we say, you know, this, this was a paranormal uh, occurrence. Yes. Um, and there's a, a bunch of reasons to do that. Uh, I think one of the main ones is credibility. Um, the field is on tenuous ground credibility-wise. And one of the ways that we can... We can help salvage that credibility is by really not jumping to uh, premature conclusions. And we have to be comfortable with saying, I don't know, rather than 
than committing ourselves to an answer. Um, you know, sometimes weird things happen. I've had weird things happen. Um, I've thought uh, like this is very much paranormal, but if pressed, if somebody said, to, you know, was that actually a ghost encounter? Uh, I would have to be honest and say, I don't know. Do you think uh, that forensic science uh, has a place in paranormal research? Yes. Uh, as I, I uh, gave in my, my speech yesterday regarding this, um, it's not going to be quite like um, criminal forensic science, but documentation. Um, if evidence is collected, and mostly it's going to be non-physical evidence, um, audio recordings, interviews, um, uh, video recording, interviews, uh, anything that like that, in order to make sure that people can look at it and say, okay, we are reasonably sure this has not been tampered with, you are going to need to um, have a chain of custody for it. And that's all part of, uh, of forensics as well. The, uh, the actual like boots-on-the-ground investigation yeah, you can you can do that as well. Um, as I said, you, if you're putting together a uh, forensic kit for your paranormal research, you can get um, fingerprint uh, dust so that you can dust for prints. You might find that it's uh, not as useful as it would be if you were investigating a crime scene. Uh, in fact, it might even be less useful because even uh, if a crime has been committed... Forensics, uh, forensic teams have to go collect these, um, these fingerprints and then they have to cross-check them on everyone that worked there. But if you're looking at, let's say, a space like this, you're also looking at anyone who was ever there uh, in between the last time it was deep cleaned. So it can um, be tampered with sometimes or contaminated. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say tampered because that makes it sound like somebody is um, legitimately trying to... Contaminated, then. Conta yeah, contaminated, because you can get things accidentally contaminated. Absolutely. Dr. James Nelson, uh, tell us about your work, where we can contact you. Uh, well, I, I don't really have a... Uh, you can find me on, <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, I do this in my, my off time. Um, I am a... Uh, a supervisor on a, a crisis hotline. Uh, I work in mental health, so that does uh, all of my um, all of my stuff goes there. Uh, I also am here as a member of the Portland Ghostbusters, which is not a paranormal research group. It is a charity cosplay group. So you can find me through that uh, PortlandGhostbusters.org, um, or I'm always at the Oregon Ghost Conference, and uh, I'm usually at Port Gamble as well, so you can find me there if you have any questions. Dr. James Nelson here live from the Oregon Ghost Conference. We'll be right back. If you think this hour was mind-blowing, just wait until you hear what's next. Into the Paranormal we'll be right back. There's a parallel universe A veil that separates us From all we perceive
All right, from the Oregon Ghost Conference, our broadcast continues our three of the weekend. Glad to have you with us. Joining me here is Holly Marie, who's a practicing hypnotherapist and shamanic practitioner who uses ancient multidimensional clearing techniques, modern knowledge, and intuition to help people see deep into their subconscious and beyond. She specializes in crossing over souls that are stuck in this realm, as well as paranormal and poltergeist clearings. Welcome here to the Oregon Ghost Conference. Good to have you with us. Thank you. It's great I to be I get real here. close to that, Mike, like you're, like you're licking an ice cream cone. Um, so I understand that you've dealt with uh, entities that may appear to be dark or, in some people's uh, minds, violent. Yes, I have. What kinds of entities are we talking about? So um, mostly... I, I deal with benign entities, but we're obviously talking about demonic entities. And I have dealt with entities that have wanted to kill me in the process. Um, I've worked with entities that um, have broken cats' tails, have shattered TV screens, uh, killed rabbits, um, flung razors around the room. Uh-huh. And uh, so in your interactions with these entities, how do you handle that? Um, so, so my background is obviously based in shamanic. So we, we have a form of protection. We open a sacred space and then we do something that we etherically lock our wrists. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we will draw the entity into a double terminated, uh, crystal that we put into a sheath that contains the crystal. We have other ways of removing it too, where it, it can be moved into the light. But a lot of this stuff I, uh, I do remotely. Okay. Uh, does that present a challenge, or is it the same as if you, you know, did it right here? I think it's the same as doing it. I feel like every extraction is different. Some are more challenging than others, for sure. Do you find that these entities sometimes mimic personality disorders? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one gentleman that I knew, he would be completely normal. Uh, this is when I lived in another state. And then he would have these complete personality splits. And I ended up removing like a nine foot Minotaur from him. But you never know what guy you were going to get. He'd, he'd be really even keel or he would just be extremely agnostic obnoxious or angry so yes in in shamanism we really believe that these entities do, that most mental illness can be equated to an entity attachment okay so uh tell us a little bit about your background i mean i know i, I gave the audience uh, a brief bio but that's only brief so expand upon that if you wouldn't mind so um, my tradition comes from the Caro of Peru. They're actually the mystics of Peru. And then my modalities come from the four winds traditions. And so it's, it's really diving into the mysticism. And we do a lot of soul retrieval, past life regression, uh, obviously entity extraction and energy clearing, a lot of soul contract breaking. But um, the, the, the medicine that we use is very, very ancient. It actually came from when the entire continents were still fused as one. And that's why you find shamans in every single culture. Interesting. So do you think that, um, these en that all entities are demonic, are, are demonic or are some of these maybe just lost souls? Some of them are lost souls. And some of the lost souls that are more benign... Mm -hmm. They'll make a lot of noise, but they're very easy to cross over. 
So if it's just a lost soul that's kind of stuck here, it's 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 a very simple process to They're just, just move being them. a pest, but they will move on if if pushed that far. They'll move on easily. It's more the demonic or extraterrestrial ones that are a challenge. Almost like they're being mischievous a little bit. You know, they're Mis- not mischievous it, it, and like just downright cynical. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, but also too, if there's a lot of trauma with an entity, you sometimes have to clear the trauma from the entity. And I've even been in situations before where I've had to do a soul retrieval on the entity to get it to cross over to the light. Do you find that uh, many times people don't know that they have these attachments? Yes. And yes. so when you when you tell them that, uh, how do they handle that? I try to do it very gently, and they they always act a little surprised. Um, but I've I've done this work long enough that you know I can say it's no big deal. We can just get rid of it, right? So the people that usually have attachments and don't know it, it's it's more of a benign entity and it's easy to move on, yeah. but it's, it's more of the demonic ones. People know something's not right. Like they literally, their health is going bad. They've got hauntings in their house because the kinetic energy is so strong. Now, many people may be hearing this and saying, well, they're talking about a possession. Is there a difference between possession and entity attachment? Yes. So I have worked with possession and I've literally had, you know, people levitate off my table, uh, become complete, completely possessed by the entity. So these are very strong possessions that honestly I don't really care to work with. And then there are attachments that will literally still be strong attachments and they will put thoughts into your head. So I worked with one gentleman. I did a class yesterday. I had his permission to use his story and he he was actually in my slideshow and he is a paranormal investigator and he crossed um, the, he went too far in a mausoleum and he ended up getting this really bad attachment. And all of a sudden he's like, he loves animals, and all of a sudden he's thinking, like, I want to hurt these animals, I want to kill these kittens, I want to hurt children. And that's when he came to me. He knew these thoughts were not his. And is it possible for that entity then to jump from person to person? Or once they have found a host uh, that they're satisfied, will they just stay there? They will stay there, if, but they can be removed. They also will jump. So it's very important that when we're removing an entity, we do it correctly. And I know there's, there's a lot of paranormal investigators here. I, I'm not totally sure how much our training crosses or, or doesn't. Um, I know my training is, is different, so not to cross lines, but we make sure the entity fully goes into that crystal or into the light and then... I'm testing it multiple times to make sure it's no longer here. Entities, though, can also have attachments, which means the entity that is occupying (laughs) someone's body, mind, and soul can also have something attached to it, like a Klingon. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's something that I I learned, that entities do have attachments. And um, so when I'm 
working with somebody with an entity that has an attachment. I remove the attachment from the entity and then that entity has caused harm on the attachment. So that's when we clear the energy from that attachment that we send to the light and then the person is finally clear. Are those harder to do than just ordinary attachments? No, because at this point, the, the entity with the attachment is now working with us. Okay. So it's, it's more cooperative. To use its power a little bit in order to bit. aid in this removal. Yeah, a little bit. So now we're working to remove that entity. And then at that point, the main entity, we're just clearing that energy and getting them to the light. Okay, so how do you correctly do this? And then how maybe should we not do this? I'm going to say that for, I teach this um, in the shamanic medicine wheel. So correctly, I mean, we're going to go through quite a protocol and testing, but we're going to lock our wrists. We're going to draw it into the crystal. We're going to send it to the light. Something that I would not recommend is just banishing an entity because that's when it's going to jump to somebody else. It will literally find another host. And in my class, I talked about this woman said that, an angel came into her room, removed an entity from her husband. Well, that husband or the entity jumped onto a neighbor who had a psychotic break and the cop shot him. Well, she didn't ask the angel if it was from the light. So there's a lot of imposters going on. And I feel like the entity jumped onto this weaker person to make a death sacrifice. Yeah. What about entities uh, being carried over from past lives? Is that a thing? That is a thing. Um, generational curses can hold entities and as well as entities coming up from generation to generation in curses. Uh, I remove a lot of family curses from people and um, entities can also, so they can follow your ancestry line and they can follow you life after life. And so uh, piggybacking on that, as far as the past life, we, we carry baggage, so to speak, from one life to the next. So if you have unresolved trauma, that can add a whole new element to this equation, right? Absolutely. So every time I'm doing an entity extract, extraction, whether it's, it's from your generational line or just you or it's from one of your past lives, we're always going in to clear whatever trauma is, is being held within this lifetime because it's within this lifetime that creates that frequency, allowing that entity to become more alive, if you will. So I'm always making sure that we're clearing the trauma in the entire life as much as possible. And I guess it, a lifestyle and maybe a, other factors uh, would, would um, make someone more vulnerable to uh, an attachment or, or to a possession. Are there things that, that we can do to kind of keep these at bay? I would say so. Um, I definitely feel like people that live a cleaner lifestyle have a higher vibration, they're going to get less of an attachment or be less in a vulnerable position to get an attachment. So that starts one with just, you know, what chemicals are you putting in your body, right? Are you eating semi-clean? 
or are you eating junk food all the time? And then are you thinking clean? Are you thinking clean thoughts or are you constantly surrounding yourself with, with drama, right? And then the other thing is, are you neglecting what needs to be taken care of in the past or are you doing your shadow work to clear it? Because if you're not clearing that deep shadow work from the past, you're going to emit that frequency out of your energy field and that's what attracts the entity. All right, Holly, how do folks contact you if they're interested in, uh, you know, maybe they have some sort of attachment that they want dealt with or some of the other services that you offer? So um, you can reach me at hollymariesoulcoaching.com. And my Instagram is hollymarie underscore dot com. And I'm located in Oregon City, but I also work with people around the United States and out of the country as well. All right, real quickly, are there some signs that uh, our departed loved ones are trying to contact us? Usually, if a loved one is with you, you'll get positive messages. You may feel or you may sense um, like more of a hugging feeling. You may smell their perfume or flowers. It will be very positive. Holly, thank you so much for joining us here from the Oregon Ghost Conference. That's Holly Marie, and we'll have more of our live broadcast here from the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside. Uh, we'll have some more open mic time for those who want to share or to ask some questions as well. And the director of the Oregon Ghost Conference, Rocky Smith, is coming up, so stick with us. Into the Paranormal. All right, let's hear it. Are you guys having a good time here at the Oregon Ghost Conference? We're having a good time. Into the Paranormal continues live here from Seaside. I'm kind of overwhelmed up here because we have three people. I'm surrounded by expertise and knowledge, and uh, it might just blow my mind before we're, we're done with all this. So we're going to start. This is in no particular order, just the way I had written it down. We're going to start with Kevin. So Kevin's up first. A little bit about Kevin. Kevin Brown had a 28-year career in the Army, 10 years in government contracting, served on the government's UAP task force for two years before his retirement. And I understand that at one point in time, there was a spirit that followed you to your hotel, right? Yes. Uh, I was at the Stanley Hotel, and we did actually a ghost hunt there. Um, this is, and we, went through, we were going through the whole thing, and at that time, I was pretty much a skeptic. Um, but I, I just like to do ghost hunts because um, it's good for history and they're usually really entertaining. So to make a long story short, we went through, we were going through the ghost hunt, went to this room where they said this teenage, uh, teenage girl, she was like 12 years old, where she would hang out. Um, she would op open and close doors. Oh, sorry. Uh, we could, where she would open and close the doors and I'm like going, okay little girl to show me that you're here um, do anything you want you can show me any way that you feel that you can um, show me that you're here so after that I thought nothing about it nothing happened we went home to our rental home that night um, something grabbed my toes and I thought it was my wife and she said you are crazy because my toes are only like so big um, but I still don't think about it the, the light was on um, the and it wasn't on before, and I got up, and I couldn't find out how to turn it off. Went back to bed, wasn't thinking much about it, and boom, uh, woke up the next morning, and the light was off. So, and then another person, uh, uh, 
another part of, uh, person in the family, like about my age, a little bit older, told me that someone, something grabbed his ankle last night. So again, the next, next night, I got slapped under and woke up, slapped under the blankets, slapped my feet, got up, got up, uh, woke up, and the same thing. The, the closet lights are on and off. So it wasn't even until like a year later or so that I figured it out, that I figured it out that it, I actually invited that girl. And my sister said, hey, this is, this is the spirit that happened to you and sent me the message. And it was a little girl named Katie. She died. Uh, she was killed there, actually, raped and killed at the Stanley Hotel in 1972. Um, and it just kind of blew me away. It took me that long to figure out that that's what was happening. So, so are you still a skeptic now? Uh, absolutely not. All right. Let's meet Lenville Logan, who enjoyed a 20-plus-year career in the United States Air Force, over 15 years as a government contractor. He's an active member of the Mutual UFO Network, Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, and the National Capital uh, Area Skeptics. So uh, I understand that uh, science, um, the scientific data, when it comes to documenting the paranormal, I talked about that earlier. People think that, you know, this is pseudoscience or that science doesn't have a place. But what would you say about all that? I would say, sorry. I would say that it all has a place. The problem is, is that we don't have the proper tools to collect it, especially when it's something that is happening in a dynamic area or situation. If we had proper tools, we could properly look at the information, tear it apart, and, and the best part of this is actually give it to data scientists to take the data apart and try to prove that it is something mundane and not something that was supernatural or paranormal. And this can be applied to a, a wide variety of paranormal topics. We've got to take a break, but we've got another segment with Kevin and Lenville and Sarah, so stick around with us from the Oregon Ghost Conference. We'll be right back. Back live from the Oregon Ghost Conference, we're here with uh, Lenville Logan and Kevin Brown and also Sarah Gam, who, I, who we're going to hear from in just a moment. But I wanted to, uh, to wrap up uh, uh, with uh, Lenville here. So as far as scientific data, you, you think it has a place and you think by using that scientific data, we can perhaps better understand what it is we're dealing with. Yes, I think that the more data that we can collect, the more that it can be applied. Um, it seems that, you know, where there's a lot of UAP activity, there's... Uh, paranormal activity, encrypted cryptology or encrypted activity. So the idea would be we don't want to miss out on something. So the more we can collect, the more we can share, the more we can better understand what the phenomenon really is, and then hopefully we can have some good times from what we've learned. All right, welcome, Sarah. Thank you for being patient. Uh, Sarah Gam is a uh, astrophysicist, a medium with an MS in countering weapons of mass destruction. That sounds really, really awesome. Uh, her science path led her to directly face-to-face with the spirit world, and her life has consisted of ghosts, spirits, and angel experiences, which increased after a near-death experience. So uh, give us a synopsis. Tell us about your life of experiences. Like, oh, I don't have enough time for that. 
I my experiences started when I was little with ghosts. I first the first ghost I ever saw, I knew who the person was. It was my grandpa's best friend that passed away. Um, and since my near death experience, a lot of things have accelerated. That was in 2012, and now I became a psychic medium. So experiences vary from doors opening in my house. I've even had a full bottle of unopened wine, thankfully, um, topple over and roll across my table. Uh, I've had stuff disappear in my house, including mascara has reappeared in a tennis shoe before. Uh, all kinds That's of- an odd place. Yeah, yes. And I'm like, really? Am I tennis shoe? It's the last place I'm going to look for mascara. So spirit's funny. Spirit has jokes. So what was your uh, near-death experience? That was, I had a very common sinus surgery, a septoplasty from a deviated septum. And surgery went well. Recovery room part did not. I actually woke up and I asked the nurse if I could have some stickers because why not? And I was hugging my stickers, asked to go back to sleep. And she was like, yeah, I'll wake you up in another few minutes. And I didn't wake up. I heard the nurse say, oh, no, she's not breathing. And I said, who? Who's not? And it was me. Um, and then I had my experience, went to heaven, and uh, knew I'd be okay and was told I needed to come back. And I was like, come back where? This is amazing. I am home. Okay, so I've always wanted to ask somebody who went to heaven, but I usually don't get that chance in the flesh and blood. Did you see the light? Um, I actually surprisingly saw darkness. It took me a lot of years to come to terms with not seeing color, but I knew where I was. I knew who I saw, my family. I had family members around me, felt the most intense, incredible amount of love and peace that our bodies can't even fathom, but I didn't see light. And what I found out uh, about last year, why I didn't see light was because before... Before light, there was darkness. So I actually went to a place before light was even there. All right. So this is, uh, this is open for anyone, whoever wants to discuss this. What brings uh, the three of you together? UAPs. I, UAPs, okay. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Have you all seen these? I have not. That's a yes from, uh, from Lenville. I have. Um... I was uh, on an airplane flying from the U.S. to Germany, and I saw some black arrows zipping back and forth between the clouds, and I always thought, oh, this is uh, kind of interesting. This is some newer, new tech we have. And then once I got on the ground, I found out that nobody knew what I was talking about, but it was just at the end of the Belgian flap or Belgian wave of triangular objects. So I'm assuming that they're associated, but it sure wasn't any aircraft or anything that we have in the inventory that I know of. Did somebody try to silence you? No, no. Just nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I just described everything to them, and they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. So <laughs> is this our technology, or is it not? I don't believe it's our technology. I don't know whose it is, but it, uh, it wasn't anything we had. <laughs> okay, Kevin, have you seen uh, UAP? I got to tell you, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot that we've researched in that. Um, I can tell you, since I'm retired, they can't talk too much about it. But we worked on the UAP task force, in, or I worked on, I worked on the UAP task force in, in D.C. So I saw a lot of things, and I just I got to tell you, I don't know um, what all of them were. I've seen a lot of stuff up in the sky, and I... I I'm the same way I am with ghost hunting. I, 
until I'm touched, prodded, well, I don't want to say prodded, touched or talked to, I, I just, I really don't know. So I'm guessing there's some things you, you can't tell me about that were discussed on that task force, right? Uh, perhaps, yeah. Like what? Oh, I almost got me. <laughs> I almost got you, didn't I? <laughs> uh, what do you think, then, of the state of UAP disclosure? Because it seems like there's been a lot of developments over the past couple of years. I think it started back in 2017 with the, with the New York Times article. And then we saw the release of videos. And then the Congress people started really waking up to this reality and demanding answers because they were hearing it from their constituents that you need to take this seriously. Uh, since they started taking it seriously, we've seen now two UAP reports. We've seen a public uh, hearing in Congress. And if my math tells me, we're supposed to have another hearing sometime this year based on the legislation. So uh, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, honestly, for the, for the long story, I'll give, it, give that to Logan. But for the, for the stor- short story... Um, a lot of Navy pilots have come across, a lot of uh, commercial pilots have come across very credible. Um, where, where back where they used to um, report the stuff before, they were kind of shunned, and now more have come through and more are being, uh, um, they're getting a lot more uh, brave to express what they've seen and taking pictures and stuff. So when, you, when, you, when you're telling a Navy pilot that he's crazy, then you you're not doing your job you gotta so on top of that a lot more and logan knows you know the history of uaps from 1947 mount rainier he refers to you by your last name as if as if like they did in the service right you were all referred to as with your last name yes so everybody knows me as logan even though it's len val logan but uh for what kevin's saying is there's a lot more going out um a lot more information out there more pilots and air crew and other people, common day people are coming forward to say what they've seen. And the hope is that as we bring more and more of this information up to Congress and these investigative services are out there, they can peel back the onion and totally reveal what's there. As for what disclosure is, everybody would have to figure out what disclosure is for themselves and define it for themselves. That's all I got to say. Sarah, I believe you said you became psychic. I, I went to classes and trained to harness my abilities and to know how to use them. So is that what, uh, how the remote uh, ghost hunt comes into play? You, you are the, the integral part of what was conducted here at the Oregon Ghost Conference, right? Yeah, yeah. What did you remote view? I w- I'm able to see entities that are in a facility. I'm able to see ghosts. I actually saw an alien that was at the location today and yesterday. This location being? In Tombstone, Arizona, the Undertakers. So a very uh, a location with uh, a history of its own. Yes, definitely. A lot of, lot of sadness, a lot of chaos, a lot of destruction, and a lot of death. So the question is, did you contact some spirits? Did I what? Did you contact some spirits? Yes, with the definitely did. I have um, conscious interactions with them, or they're, they're aware of their through, surroundings. Through, through this specific uh, ghost hunt? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a person in the audience that asked questions to the ghosts themselves, and I was in, able to channel a response to, to the person in the audience. And this is a place that you have not physically visited? Nope, never have been there. What did you know about this location besides it being the, the Undertaker's 
the first the first time ever did a ghost hunt there i knew zero about it other than it was in tombstone arizona didn't know where it was located nothing no history nothing do you know now what happened around it i do through we've done a few ghost hunts there now so i got through one time there was a guy that got hung and he was on some gallows with other people and kevin was able to look up the history about it and actually found the people that uh that i saw and uh got their neck snapped so this uh goes back to the wild west era right yes uh is there still current uh, spirit Well, there obviously is current spirit activity, Mm -hmm. but how long do we think that this has been going on there? Oh, I tapped ancient. I was able to get um, hundreds of years before Columbus set foot uh, on our continent, that uh, energy that I tapped into today. So how many spirits do you think are there? Infinite? Okay, Okay. an infinite number of spirits are there, but how many did did you get confirmation of? Uh, we probably had eight, ten, eight to ten today. It was pretty active. Male, female? Both, yeah. Okay. And then things that were, I called its. Things that you just can't uh, yeah. qualify? Mm-hmm. Uh, were these uh, men, women, and children? Yeah. There was a couple of children, uh, a couple of men. There was a fire elemental entity. Uh, did something actually catch fire? No, not today. Thank goodness. Thankfully, yeah. That we know of. Yep. Okay. Um, so tell us about how you three decided to combine the topics of UAPs, spirits, and mediums. Um, the main reason is because I wanted to collect more data, not just on UAPs, but some friends came to me and said, if you can collect data on UAPs, why can't you collect data on paranormal activity. So I created an app and... There's an app for that. Yes. <laughs> Called Phenom. And the idea is uh, kind of like a crowds, uh, crowdsourcing app so that if you see something, your friends can see it too. And now you can verify and then we can see whatever happened from multiple perspectives. Is this like a mapping app or are you looking for characteristics or what? A little bit of everything. We take in your coordinates. We take in the, the temperature, the acoustics, the magnetics, and a variety of other um, data. And then we put that all together with everybody else's uh, 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 phone and taking all that data. And then the idea is we try to put it in front of data scientists to review the data and help us figure out, did, did that guy just really see Venus or was it really something that was unusual? So now we're trying to apply that to the paranormal side so that we can give these investigators a better set of tools to use to do their investigations. What's your final comments to the audience tonight, Lenville? Final comments. Uh, my thing is, or final comment to everybody is, you know, let's collaborate to graduate because if we're not working together, we're, we're going to miss the majority of the story. Kevin, what would you uh, leave the audience with? Parting words. Keep an open mind. Um, I think... Oh, probably about 99% of the people here have an open mind from what I can tell. But don't, don't be afraid to, to spread what you feel, what you're passionate about. And that's what I would say. All right, Sarah? I would say don't stop looking up. Always look up. And the number one question I always get is from people is if my relative or mom or somebody's with me. Yes. Yes, so, uh, they are. Like Jordy said, don't stop believing. 
Mm-hmm. Let's give him a round of applause. That's uh, Kevin Lenville and uh, Sarah Gam here. All right. Uh, understand we have a member of the audience who wanted to come up and, and uh, share a, a, an experience with us. So uh, we've got an open mic here in our, in our second to last segment. Hi, what's your name? My name is Angela, and it's not a dramatic story, just a quick story of how I found your podcast. Um, there just happened to be a local coffee shop in the town that I live in, and it had two entrances. Um, one entrance, you buy the coffee, the other side, you sit on. And at the beginning of COVID, they started locking the side that you sit on. Not a big deal. I, I met a friend there once, and they said, oh, it's closed. And I said, oh, no, you're trying the wrong door. And um, we went into the correct door. Um, a little while later, I had a dream in the middle of the night about the friend walking up to the door and trying to open it. And it didn't open. Um, a very simple dream, but I woke up. It felt very profound. And when I woke up, um, I took my eye mask off and looked over at my phone, and it was glowing. And your um, oh, another phone podcast story. was on there. My podcast just randomly started playing on your phone? Well, it was a notification, and um, I don't have notifications on at night. But um, it just said, your podcast, and it had a guest, um, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Wow. It was very uh, weird to wake up to. Um, and so I immediately like hit play to listen to it. Um, I had forgotten that at the beginning of COVID, I wasn't sure if the ghost conference was going to be happening in 2020. So I just did a simple search for ghost conference just in general and podcast, and your podcast came up. Wow. And so I hadn't subscribed. I apologize. It would just save that one episode. So I don't really know how I ended up getting a notification on my phone in the middle of the night, why I woke up. When it was it meant to be. Yeah, just, um, but yeah, that's how I discovered your podcast. It was well, just an. Thank you so much for listening. It's an honor to talk to you. Thank you. All right, we'll have more Rocky Smith coming up. Thank you Into so much. the paranormal. Everything from Earth spirits, interdimensional beings, ghosts. When I saw the chair had moved, I do remember running out of the house. I would see people standing around my bed at night. Noises, knocks, things that fly across rooms. Touch has been reported since the beginning of paranormal activity. A lot of people have had these experiences. Swore that he experienced ghostly presences at the lighthouse itself. Next thing I know, I was on the other side. You can actually see the entities that are closer making, I mean, people's faces change and such. We're the show for those who think outside the box. Into the paranormal. We have had uh, some uh, very interesting conversations here at the Oregon Ghost Conference and on Into the Paranormal over the past 569 episodes. And I have uh, many people to thank for this. I want to thank my wife, first and foremost, and my family. I want to thank Rocky Smith. I want to thank Kristen Gray, all the executive committee members who have made this possible. It's really a thrill. I look forward to this every year. Will you have me back next year, Rocky? I think so, yeah. yeah. You, you might have to talk that one over. 
The rule is we don't talk about next year until this year's over, so we have a few minutes. So um, I can't pull any special big plans out of you for next year, can I? It is happening next year, I think. What, what are the dates again? Okay. What are the dates, everybody? Uh, March 22nd through the 24th, Seaside, Oregon, 2024. So we'll be back here in this we'll be beautiful back here. facility. Seaside, yes. We love Seaside. Um, this community opens its arms to us every year. Um, we started this event, as you know, in Oregon City way back. And, um, and outgrew it Seaside, very quickly. And uh, this town loves this event. This town really supports us. And um, I'm so thankful that we moved to Seaside. I love this town, and I'm now starting to feel a part of this town. You know, I've heard from people who've come across the country, across the world, uh, to see the broadcast, to see you, to see all the wonderful speakers and the classes, and that has to feel awfully good. Um, well, Tom over here was joking. He said, okay, it's the end of the Ghost Conference. We find, we'll get to see Rocky cry. Um, it's an emotional, it's draining, it's so much work. We, we put so much work into this. We work day and night with little sleep at all. And um, as you're in the midst of it, you don't understand it fully. And then when you get to today and you hear people um, that have drove all across the country to be here and from other states or other places coming here for the first time, not even really knowing about this event, but being told you should come to it. And thinking about the fact that we spend all this time, it makes it worth it. And you think, really, these people drove across Days. the country yeah. to come to this event that we created. And um, I don't take that lightly. I, um, it's really an emotional um, thing for me to hear that. Uh, and you know, when you put a lot of effort into something, you don't always get recognized for it um and yeah. uh just knowing that people love what you're doing and that they get something out of it and again i've always thought of it a lot as an event but it's so much more than that it is and and it's emotional it's to people it's a connection this event i never expected to have this event change people's lives yeah. and it really has and yeah. and that is something I didn't expect. And so seeing that and hearing that from people every year um, makes it worth it. What are some of the stories that you've heard from folks just coming up to you throughout the course of the weekend? Well, I listen to um, Weird Darkness. <laughs> You're not supposed but to say that on my show. I'm not. I'm just kidding. Darren's well, a good too friend. Late. You can say his name three more times on my show if you want. Um, <laughs> I, I had a nice chat with him today, and I listened to his podcast, half of it, yesterday, well, this morning at 2.33 in the morning. Um, hearing someone talk about this town, a town that I've always known and always have visited from an outside perspective, um, having someone talk in a about a creation that you created, um, and an event that you've created, um, and thinking that, yeah, it was worth it to drive three days to come to this little town and to come to this event. And um, it makes my drive back and forth from Oregon City to Seaside three or four times this week seem minimal. Um, and um, just understanding that these people really enjoy this event, and mm -hmm. it is drawing people. It is, it is 
um, an event that's going to keep growing, and it'll only grow with people that support it and help. And um, the truth is, there's four of us that do this. Um, Let's give you a round of applause. Four people. Four four people people are are responsible for putting this all together. Um, And, of course, everybody who's helped out and volunteered and the vendors, and and we couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you coming to the actual event. And the three three of the four people are sitting within 50 feet of us. Um, Kristen Gray, a good friend of mine. Uh, Basically, you know... Co-director, seconds, co-director of this thing, Holly Swagger, one of my, my best, so my best friend. She'll kill me if I say it. She's not my best friend, um, and my mother, who's still working at the ticket booth today. God um, bless you all. That's who puts this whole event on, yeah. and um, they support me and um, put up with my crap and my um, sassiness and all of that. Twenty and, seconds, um, Rocky. I just want to thank them for all their work, and I want to thank everyone for being here this year. 2024 is coming, but 2023 has been the best Oregon Ghost Conference yet. And it's going to keep getting bigger. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. From the Oregon Ghost Conference. (laughs) Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.